Hello, and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft, where we analyze the motifs and themes behind our favorite film and television heroes, and everything we say is in Comic Sans. My name is Michael Ruiz. My name is Joe Never Messes Up the Intro Tomlin. <laughs> and I got a question for you, bud. Yeah, what's up? Uh, do you have a favorite kung fu movie? Um, that's a that's a good question. Um, when I was uh, when I was a wee young lad, um, growing uh, into my adolescence from the ages of ten to fifteen, I did martial arts, and I mm-hmm. watched a lot of kung fu movies and action movies, including yes. but not limited to the Ninja Turtles movies uh, trilogy. I would not say those are my favorite kung fu movies. To answer your question, however, no. As an adult, I I really do love Hero. When we think about like kung fu movies, there are there is honestly a broad spectrum. But the overarching like themes around kung fu movies is one you have you have various forms of martial arts um, practiced by different characters and used as action set pieces. And there's also like a heightened sense of drama as well. And there mm-hmm. is typically a strong focus on, on like those characters' motivations and feelings. You have like what I would coin. And I'm not, this is unofficial language. This is Joe language. And you have like urban Kung Fu movies. And then you have fantasy Kung Fu movies. Hero falls into mm-hmm. the, into the category of like fantasy Kung Fu movies, but like urban Kung Fu movies would be like Ip Man, Old Boy, um, mm-hmm. the Raid, the Raid series, that kind of stuff. But anyway, I love both kinds, but I think I tend to like fantasy Kung Fu movies a lot more yeah. just because I like seeing people on wires um yeah and they're more floaty and and i guess from from that perspective and from from me as a viewer perspective i think there's more of an emphasis on individuals having different styles i think in urban kung fu movies they're ten that those styles tend to blur a little bit but that's just my this is one podcaster's opinion um of course and the answer to your initial question uh as i said before is hero so mm-hmm. what would you say is your favorite kung fu movie? Well, to avoid just I'm going to go ahead and just give the obligatory uh, Jackie Chan answer of I really liked uh, First Strike solely mm-hmm. just for the scene where he fights everyone off with the ladder, just because that is like my favorite prop comedy slash actual like super impressive action set piece where he's like jumping through the ladder and like fighting off a bunch of dudes in this like big comedic set piece bit, which mm-hmm. I think just looks super cool. Like, even in time with just, like, how they do the foley for that scene, I think, is really good. Mm-hmm. While not making it seem like anybody is just kind of, like, standing there waiting to get punched. And I and I think that you're right, where, like, I do like that the the uh, the showing off of different styles. So it doesn't always feel like we're seeing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Which I suppose is not unlike uh, First Strike or any Jackie Chan movie that I've seen where, you know, him using different props inherently changes the way the fight is going to go. Right. And it adds a level of unpredictability that just makes for fun, uh, makes, makes, uh, <laughs> makes for fun, uh, well, action, <laughs> certain part of my brain, just like, oh, that's cool. Ooh, interesting <laughs> thing happening that on mindset. screen. Basically. Violence, or just, or just like the, Yeah. <laughs> brain go, woo. <laughs> but why are we talking about kung fu movies this week joe um because we watched uh shang chi and the legend of the ten rings which is the newest Ooh. marvel movie and is inspired by kung fu movies especially jackie chan's kung fu movies mm-hmm. wow um i mean first of all spoilers 
as always, um, for always. every episode of this podcast, but spoilers for Shang-Chi and spoilers for all of the MCU. So, yeah, um, you've been warned. The, the reason the reason why this movie is so great, and I'm just going to dive into it. I really enjoyed this movie. It. it was a it, it was a hell of a time. The, the reason why this movie is so great is because they completely and utterly destroyed a fucking muni bus. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> just straight so, out of the gate. We're just going with this. All right, go for it. Yeah, let's let's go with it. So us as a podcast, we, you know, I'm based in the Bay Area. I, I grew up around. I didn't grow up. I, I matured around San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say that. Um, but we both went to school out here. And Michael, you went to school in San Francisco specifically. Yeah. You, you know, we would meet up there, you know, in the center between both of us occasionally. And I, I have to say, as someone who's taken public transit quite a bit around here, what, knowing that space of a muni bus and how they used that space was honestly pretty remarkable. Um, honestly, so cool. <laughs> no, like for real, though, like on it, like, like they clearly I don't know how they did it. But it like it never jump cuts too much. It all feels like it's within this cramped space, but just enough so that like all the moves can be done to their full potential while also feeling like a weird restriction on all the fighters involved. Plus, you do just get to see that muni bus get more and more like the environment itself is dynamic in that they're they're moving with the gravity of the bus and mm-hmm. that the in, the bus itself is also getting more and more damaged the more their fight goes on. So it just creates this really cool like it is a set piece but it creates this really cool dynamic field for not only the action like affecting them and but also the action they have to interact with each other because they're on this bus right which yeah i think you're right we've been on that bus <laughs> we've been on those accordion buses before there's not a lot of room on there and i'm surprised the middle of san francisco during the midday why aren't there more people on that bus <laughs> yes yeah and as they're going down that hill man i've been on those buses going downhill yeah. it's got it like at a normal rate at a normal time it's kind of scary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you think you're gonna fall out of your seat at some point so imagine yeah. having a fight sequence on top of that this is yeah. this is all to say overarching as a film this does san francisco justice it like yeah. this fir- this first act really sets it uses uses its set and location to to its fullest and makes it feel like a real environment um yeah having walked around like knob hill and fisherman's wharf and, and you know in it, it just they captured the the landscape pretty well so i really enjoyed that even down to like yeah. them them being like um like i know the hotel that they're supposed to be at that they're valeting yeah. so mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh that's that's really that's really funny um for me yeah yeah it is it is honestly to the point where i wish we stayed in san francisco for a little bit longer because i was really digging those first like 20 probably like 25 minutes of the movie where mm-hmm. you, it is just introducing shang chi meeting his friend katie played by aquafina and just seeing them all like interact with like a weirdly it's like weirdly long slice of life style approach where there's mm-hmm. there's no talk about any greater you know any greater avengers or anything going on in the world it's just like what do these two people do on like on the daily and then what is their uh you know what does their job look like what is their uh, like kind of like interacting with family look like and i just thought there was so much character and charm put into those little tiny interactions even them mm-hmm. getting drinks with friends it's like Oh yeah, you're at some super expensive ass bar in San Francisco. 
Mm-hmm. As I joke about the end of the movie, I'll, I'll Venmo you for the drinks right after, right after they leave. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like astonishing because also like Ant Man is also uh, stationed in San Francisco, so they clearly could have had uh, like reference to other characters, but they didn't, and I really appreciated that because it really gave Shang Chi an immediate place and mm-hmm. grounding in a way which I don't think we always get with with characters in MCU specifically. Because we're at a point where it's like it's it's we you know we have a lot of superheroes running around at this point, mm-hmm. and I I guess it just worked to characterize him so well at that beginning point. Yeah, I don't think the the film is free from from those world those world building aspects and connections. Um, no. I think at that dinner they do mention the blip um, mm-hmm. at the expensive restaurant, and of course Wong is a character in the film yes and honestly mm-hmm. and and I, I mentioned this off mic to michael i think they did a better job characterizing wong in this movie than any of the other mcu movies honestly you shout out you shout out like i totally agree i mean he he is a great like bit character in doctor strange but he mm-hmm. he really feels like yeah he got more dimension in this movie for like the grand total of like 15 minutes if that he's in it mm-hmm but, like, I, I think that we got a greater semblance of him also being, like, Doctor Strange, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yep. Yo, Wong's over here got to save the fucking multiverse. Doctor Strange ain't doing fucking shit. <laughs> All he did is fucking things up with Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, 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 we don't know about that yet. We don't, we don't. We don't know about that yet. <laughs> All we've seen are the trailers. Mm-hmm. But, yes, that's, um, um yeah, Wong is a, is a pleasant surprise in this movie. Speaking of pleasant surprises, uh, Simu Liu is honestly awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about him campaigning for the role a while back when I was working in the industry. Um, oh, is that true? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I had some friends who worked in stunts and had some experience with stunts, and they were showing showing me videos of not just him, but also also Andy Lee as Death Dealer. Mm. Yes. So anyway, yeah, that um, um, it's it's pretty it's pretty great to hear you know these stories of um, you know, smaller actors getting big gigs. Yeah, it's it, it's Absolutely. really awesome. This is, I mean, like this is a part of the early MCU stuff. You know, as of the last like say like five years or so, they decided to get big wig names like Benedict Cumberbatch and so. But hearing them pull like smaller actors who are now you know becoming rich and famous. Uh, <laughs> um, totally. You know, and recognized for their hard work is totally. is really is really great uh, to see and hear. And he does a phenomenal job in the role of Shang Chi. Uh, I was Absolutely. really I was really endeared to him throughout the movie. Now yeah. I guess you know we are a podcast where we talk about heroes specifically, and what mm. what does this protagonist what is his protagonist goal in um, this narrative, and does um, does the writing and like filmmaking craft around that accomplish that goal of this character um and the themes in the narrative and i think it's important to talk about the way in which this film uh progresses yeah i guess before before we hop immediately into that i do want to say that i think you're absolutely right with simu Liu. that weirdly i was thinking about how like how taking taking new talent and putting them in front of kind of like blockbuster movies always seems generally to be a pretty good decision. And 
I was thinking about that specifically with John Boyega in Star Wars and how both of them were like in stock photos before they were in like the big name roles, which, mm-hmm. you know, by all means is like fucked that like they didn't get paid anything for those stock photos. But it's super cool that they are getting recognized for their talent uh, right now because they I think you're absolutely right. They both kill it in their roles. And Simu especially, I think he adds like a level of like earnest joy to this character that I don't think is like, like I feel like is missing sometimes he is not like you know he is not a joking like jovial protagonist but he does feel like he can carry the humor of this movie pretty well yeah which of course is you know obviously he's playing off Aquafina, who is a comedian but mm-hmm. even more so I think he adds a level of heart to this character that like mm-hmm. who I don't like you know I don't think Shang-Chi has a very layered arc kind of thing it's more of a you know it's very coming of age in that he you know he needs to kind of um accept the role you know accept the role that he's being thrust towards but also like confront uh you know a darker part of himself and a darker part of his of his family and that's not exactly novel but i do think that's why some of it resides resides only in simu's performance stop looking at me like that (laughs) Michael out here saying, man, this idea of of characters um, having complicated feelings with their families is not novel. That's because he wrote that into his D&D campaign. He's 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 feeling some copyright infringement happening in this movie. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, It's, it's a weird coincidence. It's a strange, silly coincidence. It is. It is it is the weirdest coincidence. I will admit that when I was watching this movie, I was like, "Who is looking over my shoulder?" Like, wait, what, what, what? <laughs> Honestly, just the weirdest timing because obviously, like once again, those beats are not particularly novel. We see those in a lot of places, and that's why I do think sometimes it comes down to an actor's performance and ability to sell those very written and exposed, uh, you know, like narrative and emotional beats. And I think Simu just kills it. I think it's a great job, and so I think yeah. that, like that's really worth staying. And, like, I guess, like, now that we I just said that, I'll probably talk about the thing that immediately started to disappoint me a little bit, is that the movie opens with Shang-Chi's journey as someone who kind of needs to grow up, right? He has this conversation with Aquafina or Katie, uh, in the movie, with their two friends, and their friend is, like, getting married or something, and yeah. she's kind of judging them a little bit, saying that, like, hey, you two, you need to grow up a little bit, you know, we're doing adult things, you need to you need to kind of uh, grow up a bit to like you know to you know join the real world right and mm-hmm. like that's the same thing that they have conversation with their family that happens and mm-hmm. then it's now just occurring to me we only see Katie's family once but I feel like I got a full semblance of them in that one conversation yep <laughs> great job once and again dedicated to the writing exactly totally totally and that is like how this movie was initially pitched and I feel like. That's not quite where the movie goes. No, um, at the end of the day, realizing like this is how we're introduced to Shang-Chi as a character. All that setup is mostly for Aquafina's character. And mm-hmm. even then, I think accomplishing that narrative arc for, for Katie is a bit lackluster. I think it gets stepped aside for Shang-Chi's arc about his family. And then mm-hmm. finally, at the end, we pick that back up with with Aquafina as a part of the climax, and it's kind of rushed in that sense. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say that's like um, a mild detractor for this film. I know some I, I talked with some friends about this film that found her like distracting or annoying and like she was fine for the fact that she's like characterized as like this like I think her characterization as someone who needs to grow up it works in this movie mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that it knowing that that's her characterization and then that like her sense of humor really reinforces that and to me it never really feels incredibly overwhelming the sense of humor yeah. that did kind of bug me and the and the jokes that I did not like um was bringing back the character of Trevor from Iron Man 3 <laughs> oh my god See, we haven't, we didn't even mention it. And you didn't even, when you thought about, oh, there are no other references to the MCU, there's Trevor, who is originally supposed to be, quote unquote, the Mandarin from um, famous Iron Man, um, the famous Iron Man villain. That's because there are some, well, there are some racist origins with that character. And so, of course, that character was kind of like scrapped. Even in Iron Man 3, they're like, oh, like, this is like just a racist caricature because that's what this white guy is trying to make up. And so you can mm-hmm. kind of forgive that in Iron Man 3. But here in this movie, he's back as a prisoner in China from um, uh, Tony Lung's, char- uh, Lung's character, um, uh, Wen Wu, who is Shang-Chi's father. Um, yeah. Trevor is like this this character who's held captive and he functions as like this guide for this magical creature. And that's kind of his purpose. But he kind of just keeps interrupting yeah. with this like quirky sense of humor and I can't help but feel like I, I have a bad taste in my mouth because I'm like, man, this character was like borderline offensive in Iron Man 3. And why is he here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like an offhanded reference to him is fine, which happened earlier in the movie, but he didn't mm-hmm. need to be a character. He sticks around for a long time. And I agree with you. He felt like the type of humor that was just poking fun at like the absurdity of what was happening at a certain point and he right. felt more like a perspective character at mm-hmm. a certain uh to a certain degree and i feel like aquafina did that already right and she kind of had better chemistry just by nature of her getting a more lived in relationship with the rest of the characters and her having scenes with them right that felt a little bit the, the humor had more of a place there and i think you're right and absolutely maybe this, this is our quick way of uh referencing the fact that like Absolutely, I know there's controversy with this movie regarding specifically Aquafina. We cannot be the voice of those criticisms. Please go uh, seek out people from those communities doing that work, as always. We're not going to be critiquing from that angle. But mm-hmm. I feel like at least at this point, but at least as she as uh, Katie serves in the movie, she is she's already that kind of comic relief. So to have mm-hmm. Ben Kingsley there just feels like extra padding on it. Yeah, the narrative function that Ben Kingsley ser- that his character Trevor serves is as a guide into what I would describe as uh, as the the fantasy kung fu movie. We mm-hmm. we start with a very urban kung fu movie and then transition into a fantasy kung fu movie, and Trevor acts as that bridge for that, mm-hmm. um, narrative wise and plot wise. And you know, I think I wouldn't be so. Um, Maybe I wouldn't feel so weird or off put by it if instead of laughing with Trevor, we were laughing at Trevor. I think yeah. at times we're, we're usually laughing with Trevor. And like you said before, that kind of humor is more with Aquafina. Mm-hmm. Because Aquafina is a character that we're supposed to guide, we're like who's supposed to be our guide. So then this 
So transitioning to Trevor as our guide feels strange. Um, yeah. And it makes sense why Aquafina took a back seat at this point in time and then, you know, eventually regains her character arc when Trevor, coincidentally, fades into the background during the during Act 3. Yeah, they literally have a the, the jump cut to him on the ground uh, playing dead, right? You know, and I like that bit. I actually do like mm-hmm. that bit. That's fitting yeah. for the character that we know. Um, however, it just doesn't... I feel like we are just... We, we spent the second act waiting to get to that joke at the third act. <laughs> yeah. And he just he just doesn't add anything after that point. He I guess you're right. He does genuinely just feel like a... Like, how do we get our characters from A to B, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and th- the answer was this. And also, like, here's your cameo, right? Here's your connection to the greater MCU. Eh. It 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 just felt like it was just purely pipeline, which mm-hmm. you know they have to do that they have to do that work somehow. I feel like Trevor didn't need to be in this movie. I think Ben Kingsley does a good job. I agree, but <laughs> so it goes right. But mm-hmm. I I think that you know I think you're right, right? This movie goes between being I suppose to say it opens as a fantasy kung fu movie and then it goes to an urban kung fu movie because we we get that really cool fight scene between Chang chis parents at the beginning of the movie, which is totally fancy. And as you described, it is floaty, right? Where you're mm-hmm. seeing him, uh, his dad fight with the, the rings. You're seeing his mom fight with the wind. It's really cool too. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we were referencing earlier in that it feels like two styles meeting each other. Yes. And I, and I'm going to ask you a very serious question here, Joe. Mm-hmm. Do you think the 10 rings are cool? Yes. You know, when I when I saw the promo footage, I thought this is dumb. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you know, what? the trailers did not do this movie justice at all. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. if if you happen to be a rare person who's listening to us and didn't see the movie um, and you're here listening to us talk about the movie to convince you to watch the movie, don't let the trailers dissuade you. It's pretty fun. You know, this movie's good. And. And yeah, I thought the rings looked dumb in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in action, I thought they were used pretty interestingly. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of like when they're limp on, on, on Tony Lung's wrists. By the way, we haven't even talked about, about his character at all. Because as you just mentioned now, the movie actually opens with his character in that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we transition yeah. into Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that is the other the other plot line this movie has going on with it. And I feel like that's the other thing that's connected in all this. Is this movie, for as much as I like it, this movie does have a lot going on in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have... The storyline has the beat of them trying to get the Talao, trying to stop the, you know, the Stop One Boost evil organization, and trying to have this kind of, like, coming-of-age story all at the exact same time. And I'm not saying that there wasn't like a version of this that I think is perfect, but it does feel very bloated at times. And I think bloated in such a way that means they can only really focus on one plot point at a time. Because mm-hmm. I think when they get to Talao, I really like the look of Talao. It's super cool. I love all the I love all the animals floating around. I love the general like colorful atmosphere that they exist in. It does feel like everything kind of gets sidelined with explaining everything when they get there. Because they need oh, to do yeah. a lot more exposition dump, exposition dump, exposition dump. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it just takes up so much time at that point. And not that it's not cool or interesting. It just means that like by, by the time when Wu gets there, T- 
to like have the final confrontation it's like 40 minutes have passed <laughs> like yes. that like that immediacy and that threatening aura he kind of had throughout that was like that was being built towards felt like it was starting to kind of run a little thin because it's like wow we've just been we've we've just been uh <laughs> we've just been uh, turning our wheels a bit or spinning our wheels a bit kind of just waiting for him to show up <laughs> yes it, it does it does take a minute and it is kind of kind of frustrating that aside i really did enjoy his character i thought Wenwu? yeah when yeah i really liked him as a villain mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting to see him be he, he's a narcissist uh, maybe a bit of a sociopath clinging on to power but once he finds love and all he wants is to be reunited with that love, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's an interesting drive. And that's um, that's that's some fun. Like you, as as a viewer, as an audience member, feel morally complicated about this person. <laughs> and that that's a good um, juxtaposition, especially when we're coming from the perspective of the son, right? Our, our, our viewpoint character is the person who has witnessed both of this and is trying to uh, find the good and bad and balance in between that. Yeah. So I think Tony Lund plays the character really well. I could see the mm-hmm. conflict on his face. I could see the anger and frustration and even like the kindness and earnestness too of like, I just want to mm-hmm. find, I just want to find mom. Like yeah. we're going to find mom together. And he's does it with an iron fist, you know, like twisting the yeah. kid's wrists, threatening them. Like we're going to find mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think no, I agree. There's a lot of heart to him, and I and I I really like it because it does sell the relationship between the two of them pretty well as mm-hmm. being one of essentially being a you're going back and forth between loving, uh, dismissing all at the exact same time, right? There's a way of forcing, uh, you know, forcing his way with uh with Shang Chi, and as well as kind of a subtle intimacy there of someone who clearly both understand the loss that's felt from both of them because they both lost, uh, you know, his wife, his mother, and they are both feeling that. In fact, like, the whole family is, and that's, like, another plot line, too, is this, like, overwhelming feeling of grief between all these characters, right? They're all struggling with the fact that this person they care about is not there anymore. And Mm -hmm. the, the drive for his, like, you know, mode to villainy, road to villainy, is that he's hearing, you know, he's hearing his wife's voice, being like, hey, come, come help me, and you now that that's once again pretty standard. Oh, hey, uh, you know, evil creature is telling me that someone I care about is this behind this place. Pretty simple, but it, it does do a lot to explain the very. It gets the it gets the nuance out of his performance, right? It gets him showing off the more softer, gentler side of him, and I think that plays off really well with Shang Chi, who has the perspective of knowing like essentially knowing who his father is and therefore Mm -hmm. kind of being able to see through it but also understand it it gives Mm -hmm. it gives it both warmth and nuance in a way that man we just we just do not get this with villains in the mcu we just don't get that to that level Mm -hmm. in like meaningful interaction with our hero beyond just like what makes a cool fight i feel like the last time we had a a villain this complex was probably in spider-man homecoming with vulture yeah yeah it's like with mcu it's it's either killmonger or vulture right yeah yeah and i was about to say like killmonger right before vulture um mm-hmm. who i i would say is better i i think you know killmonger is probably i i would still rank killmonger above uh wenwu but wenwu would probably be second to that 
Mm-hmm. It's just, they have, this is something I remember I heard you once say a long time ago when we were watching Spectacular Spider-Man with our friend Austin, shout out, that uh, upon initial meeting, I think it was we were watching the Electro episode, and mm-hmm. Electro's motivations are very simple in that in that episode. He's just, you know, he just fell in the tank, he just got recently bit by the, uh, the eels, and he's just going on a rampage, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple story. But, you know, then, then you know, Spider-Man has to stop him, boom. But I remember you saying something that was, uh, you know, every single time the hero interacts with the villain, he should learn something new about him, right? And I feel like that's exactly what happens with Shang-Chi and Wenwu. Every single time they interact with each other, they learn something new about their motivations in this movie. And that right. being said, Wenwu is an extension of, like, the henchmen he sends after Shang-Chi, too. Yeah. And just, like, why not? Like, both those times, we learn something new about Shang-Chi's relationship to this past, too. Like, the first time, we just our introduction to it's pretty simple, really cool fight. Second time, we get this, like, darker side to Shang-Chi where he, you know, he's tempted to kill that death dealer. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, we we get a greater semblance of, like, what this, you know, what this past has to do with him, right? And, like, what his relationship to it as well. And so, as a result, we are seeing him grow, like, you know, and, and like any good, you know, any action movie, but also any good kung fu movie that's told through the language of action right mm-hmm. and that's i feel like that's so important and you know maybe that sounds simple but man, i was just watching this like this is actually cool <laughs> yep when they're fighting on the scaffolding when they're fighting in the bus i was like whoa this 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 looks fucking sick as hell <laughs> yep of course like i'm sure people are breaking down all of it right now but i i feel like it's such a good it it, it is a two set pieces that know their location and know the limitations of our of our characters' movements within those spaces as well, because like mm-hmm. no one here, no one here can fly, and everyone right. here just is you know everyone here is relatively just like a really good acrobat slash martial artist. So the way they interact with that space is just super dynamic and super uh, expressive, mm-hmm. and it's just super, it's just cool to see. It's not only just cool to see that as an action beat, but also just cool to see the emotional journey also take place during that time as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it once again, it, it ultimately culminates, which is just good action, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, can I talk about action sequences I don't like in this movie? Of course. Uh, the very last one. Yeah, I Honest- 100% agree. Honestly, once again, you know, you know, uh, Marvel movie ends in CGI fight big shocker you know and we're leaning towards our fantasy kung fu elements we get some interesting we get some interesting moments when we have dragons fighting each other yeah. and of course um once again my lizard brain um and is the the boy who grew up watching kung fu movies and anime and shit is just like oh wow i love seeing dragons fight each other yeah yeah but honestly it became much when the scene was dark and one of the dragons is like uh you know a very dark color The other is a pretty light color. And then we have light colored water um, coming around at the same time. And we're supposed to be following Shang-Chi through all of this. When Mm -hmm. Shang, like literally the climax of the film is hard for me to understand visually. And that's kind of disappointing and frustrating. (laughs) When I was like, I guess Shang-Chi is just doing the thing and I'm going to accept it. He looks cool in that one one shot that's... um, that shot from below looking up at him towards the sky when he is doing um, the motions um, that his aunt taught him that his mother used 
when he's using yeah. those motions with the rings and it's cutting back and forth between him and the rings that makes sense to me but i don't understand how we got there yeah and that's a little frustrating yeah it's a lot of him running alongside the dragon but I, and i can't help but feel like the cgi is it can't keep up well with uh with the actual movements and so mm-hmm. as a result to kind of hide the fact that i'm sure at some point we just have a CGI Shang-Chi running up the dragon. And so to kind of like cover it up, they kind of like move the camera all about. And yeah, yeah it, it's disorienting a little bit. I kind of wish instead of doing everything from uh, Shang's perspective, they did it as a wide shot. Yeah. I wish I wish it was just shot as a wide shot. <laughs> then you yeah. can see, you get the scale and scope of the dragons, of the, of the damage, and you see him climbing up. And then you get yeah. a close-up of him struggling and then you get him jumping, throwing the rings into the mouth, and then hand motions and rings explode. Yeah, so it is a cool final moment. Yeah, it is a cool final moment. Um, what what once that moment occurs of the rings exploding, <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Once again, lizard brain loves it. Um, <laughs> but but getting there was a was was a bit confusing, and yeah. this also combined with our this moment is also happening. Uh, happening at the same time in which Katie is having her uh, the completion of her character arc. And it feels kind of rushed, too, <laughs> right? As we talked yeah. about earlier in this episode. So it's a one-two punch of meh and meh. Mm-hmm. And right before this, and right before any of this happens, we get our climax between Shang and Wenwu. Now, what did you think of that fight sequence? I, I, this was the moment where I also realized I had that thought when I was watching this movie. I was like, I really love the f- I really love the first like half of this movie and I feel like this movie's slowly losing me a little bit over as time goes on because mm-hmm. it's just it's just devolving into problems I have with how Marvel movies normally turn out which is not the fault of this movie at all. I still like the flavors of this movie a lot more than I like other Marvel movies. This ain't no Falcon and Winter Soldier after all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Man, is is but, that what we're, is that the the new stinking pile of poop that we have uh, of the MCU? <laughs> That's it, the new Iron Man two. <laughs> this is the new the new Iron Man two is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> and, and but I think the, the my point is that like my moment with the rings that I really like the rings is when they feel like an extension of the user's body. They feel like an extension of their mode of it like their mode of like martial art expression and i think those are the moments when the rings look their coolest and so when wenmu throws the rings at shang chi and he has them but instead of like immediately going to his arms to act as like a you know a power enhancer he has them floating all around his body as like a shield and i thought i was like oh okay there we go that you know that's what i want to see so much more of which is just different expressions of fighting and like the way they clash up against each other as a, as a result, because of course Shang Chi wouldn't use them in the same way his dad would, because they're just two completely different people. But even so, like him still being able to pass them on to him, just it's it's so, it's a good beat, even if the fight goes on a little bit too long. It's not quite as interesting as the rest of the movie. I wish they could just kind of throw hands a bit more rather than like shooting beams at each other or throwing the rings back and forth. Yeah, I would. I wish at some point in time during that fight sequence the rings became unusable yeah or they chose not to use the rings and then they did yeah or that they flowed between each other like in a meaningful way like he kind of just throws them and then shang chi eventually just gets him gets them at some point 
Like he's he manages to catch half of them, and then they then they do the whole thing where they start fighting each other, which was like the cool part, admittedly. But it didn't feel like it was built up to. It just felt like when we just made the mistake of throwing them, right? And someone could clearly use them. Obviously, the rings are meant to be much like our last episode about the hobbits. The rings represent power. Now, (laughs) (laughs) so the rings represent power. And what's interesting is that thematically, I don't think Shang-Chi really has an arc about use of power. No. He he has a moral conflict about uh, about killing. And that makes sense. That makes sense Mm -hmm. for his character. But I don't think the... The similar transition to killing in, like, say, Spider-Man's story with great power comes great responsibility and he chooses not to kill Uncle Ben's murderer. Like, there isn't mm-hmm. that element here where where there is, like, like he could use the rings to kill his dad and then he doesn't. And he realizes, like, this yeah. is a power that no one should have. He still holds on to them and he still uses them to, to end the dragon. I get that he's using I get the thematic sense of him using it defensively because that's also what that martial art is supposed to be. It's clearly from the very first fight sequence we see we see Yin Li, uh, Wen Wu's wife, um, use that use that fight um, style. It is very clearly defensive. Yeah, it's open palm too. it's it's clearly Mm -hmm. not an offensive style of fighting and it works Mm -hmm. really well in just countering Wen Wu's like very aggressive approach. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once again, very simple action verbs, but it is very effective in showing off those styles of martial arts. And also, in a movie that is about family, it is cool that Shang-Chi manages to use both the styles of his parents in that fight. Yes. Like, at, like simultaneously, too, in showing that he is, you know, he is the, you know, he is an extension of both of them, while still being a completely unique identity in his own right. Right. And that is another theme in this film is the idea that he is a product of his his upbringing, which is yes, funny enough, something I heard a lot as a kid um, from my dad. And yeah, that's 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 an interesting theme. Um, and mm-hmm. I think in that sense, it, it, it makes sense um, that Shang-Chi is using that fight. It's kind of but it doesn't feel in contrast to Wen Wu and his um, and his motivations and his arc. So that's yeah. why, for me, the, the climax feels a little off. Yeah. It's good. It's better than most, but it's a little off. Yeah. I think, I think, but I think, I think you're absolutely right. There is, a, there is a tie here, and I could see how we get from point A to point B about Shang-Chi with specifically like, hey, like I, had this, I had this very violent past, and I don't want to be doing that anymore, but I have my dad, who's you know, clearly out there, you know, committing harm and i need to stop him and the way he taught me to do that was by killing people and so that's what i'm gonna do right (laughs) but that's not quite connected to the rings and like how the you know his ring the rings of his dad have made it so he can do this and enact that harm for so long it's kind of just hey you know i'm really frustrated with this person in my life which you know still still is an arc still is something but, you know, they're not quite connecting all of them in that finale. And that's why I think it's important. So I think it's why it's important why I say, like, this movie feels bloated so that at times it's not that it's never doing something cool. It's just only doing one thing sometimes. And I think sometimes scenes need to be doing, need to be doing multiple things for them to be, 
Like, to, like, have those emotional beats earned. Or to have that many storylines and plot threads and tie them all together neatly. Right. Because I, I think you're right. In the same way that they try to do with Katie and Shang-Chi, they, you know, they both need to do something before they defeat the, you know, the ultimate villain. And they just were like, what if, what if, what if Katie got, like, her trick shot off <laughs> on the on the dragon by shooting it in the throat? Which, like... She's the only archer right now? <laughs> She's the first one to think of that? <laughs> well, she was told to do that, remember? That's true. That is true. She didn't think yeah, of it. it. She was told to do it, and then Master was going to do it too, and he died. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that man just fucking died, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and that's another interesting... That, I guess that is an interesting and poignant mo- moment in this movie. At the After the conflict is over and we're heading towards our resolution, there is a moment to remember the fallen and the dead mm-hmm. um, and, and to honor them. We don't mm-hmm. get that in any other MC movie. Bodies are bodies. <laughs> yeah, but people are just fucking dying. That's it. <laughs> you, ste- you know, you, you kind of like try not to step over them as you're walking off set. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, <laughs> but here in... Um, in this film, there there is a reference for that, and there is a, a true mm-hmm. sense of loss, and that's yeah. good because it does play up to the theme of, of loss of you know both parents. Yeah. I've really appreciated that. Yeah, no, I think that's like part of the sincerity of this movie. It has an earnest heart to it, and I agree. In this movie, that is dealing with grief, and also like kind of is the final punctuation mo- point on the relationship Shang Chi has with his dad. Like, you know, for as, for as complicated and awful as their relationship was, you know, he does still love him in the end. He is still, like, you know, he's still his dad. And there's a way which that final act is, you know, his goodbye to him. And I feel mm-hmm. like that in and out of itself is a is a kind gesture, uh, to, you know, to the to both to their relationship specifically. In the same way that when Wu entrusting the rings to Shang-Chi at the end is exactly that as well. It's a final moment where it's like, oh, hey, I acknowledge I messed up. You know, here, take them because I you know, I'm trusting this with you. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, and that that is a that is a kind gesture and it is good to ultimately, you know, end their relationship on even if like, quote unquote, like probably like not all is forgiven. <laughs> but I suppose that's probably up for uh, uh, Shang-Chi, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm genuinely excited for Shang-Chi, too. Whatever that is, whatever the origin of the rings are. And, you know, this is this is a good feeling for me. I have Mm -hmm. no clue where the fuck those rings are from. I don't know. They they planted that seed at the very like one of the first few lines in the movie. I thought nothing of it. And then it ended up being something. And I don't even know what that Mm -hmm. fucking something is. I I know my comic books pretty well. um, But this is this is a realm where I'm like, I don't know what they're leading towards. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter to shrug me. Shoulders. <laughs> I'll shrug my shoulders and I will gladly watch the next one. So long as is every fight um, is just as cool as that bus fight. God, bus fight's so fucking cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like the rings are a good example of like the things this movie does right in just creating, you know, like, come on, like if the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially if we're going into the multiverse right now. Why don't we just embrace the fact that there's more than just fucking Infinity Stones out there or Vibranium or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, uh, Element X out there is, right? Like, there could be Mm -hmm. different forms of everything, right? Even just beyond the realms of, like, what is, like, magic considered. 
Because I, I do think that the things that make me really like this movie is the fact that it does feel disconnected from the MCU at times. Or doesn't feel like it needs to constantly tie back into something. I like that Shang-Chi and Katie kind of get to have their own adventure separate from that. Which is something I, I guess we haven't talked too much about. That the idea like this, they are like two friends and they're with each other for the entire movie. Like there's yeah. never a moment where Katie kind of walks out like, okay, hey, you go do your thing while I go and you know do something else. Or there's no moment where it feels like the story completely forgets about her. And so I really like their relationship as just two friends. Like kind of embarking on the nonsense that is the MCU sometimes. Yeah, they're, they're great viewpoint characters. Um, they're mm-hmm. relatable, especially because uh, they were born the same year as us. Um, oh my god. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah, 1986. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, oh my god, I'm supposed to be the same as same age as Shang-Chi. Holy shit. Why does he look so much better than me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw him doing those push-ups. For, that's literally man's the looking great. He does. Yeah, a man looks great. He yeah, does. what a perfect joke to open the movie with. I thought that was so funny that, like, you know, they show him getting ready, putting the suit on, and he's the valet driver. <laughs> yep. He's a valet driver. Great. Like, mm-hmm. Or like the scene when he enter when he's fighting in his sister's uh, in his sister's club, mm-hmm. and, and where Katie's just like, "What happened to your shirt?" He's just like, "I don't know. I was just told to take off know. my shirt because <laughs> that's that's how the MCU works." <laughs> <laughs> You're told to take yeah. off your shirt for one scene mm-hmm. because thirsters got a thirst <laughs> because we need we need to get screen grabs from something. Uh, I suppose, I suppose, now that we're talking about that, I do want to quickly run by, what do you think of Shang-Chi's final outfit with the dragon scales? I think it's a cool concept. I was honestly underwhelmed at how underwhelming it was introduced. (laughs) Normally, okay, so we get epic moments where heroes don their costumes. It happens in Iron Man, it happens in Captain America, it happens when Thor gets his Mm -hmm. hammer back in the first movie, it happens in in, um, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. It does it like it's not held with with reverence when he puts on his armor. It's just like suit up. Everyone needs to put on the armor, and so everyone just does. And then he just walks onto the scene, to, like into the background from mm-hmm. from like r- the right of the camera. It, it's kind of underwhelming. I'm not sure if that was intentional. You know, like yeah. hey, like he's a part of a collective that's trying to fight for this common cause. Like, he is an individual is not what matters. Who he's fighting for and what he's standing for matters in that case. Maybe yeah. that's what they were going for? What do you think? Yeah, I feel like there is something... Because in the way this movie is still kind of coming of age, someone clearly, like, kind of coming into the MCU and having this story that's kind of away from most of those, you know, most of those, like, big themes. I was looking at his outfit in the middle of his fight with his dad, and I remember thinking, like, you know, I'm kind of digging the... You know, I like the fact that it is this really stylized top but I like the fact that it just goes into like black jeans and like sneakers. I was like, you know, this I I I don't mind this as much as I thought I would. Like I love color and I wish it was a little bit more vibrant, but I do think it's kind of working. Because there's 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 that like blending of styles I think looks really cool. Right. And that makes sense. That actually works for the themes of of mm-hmm. Shang-Chi as a character. And I, I will admit when when I saw the, the sneakers, I, I squealed in the theater Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought it was real i thought it was really fucking cool and a nice touch 
um, because you, you, I think they pan back to reveal that. At least I noticed that, or at least I, as an audience member, noticed that for the first time during his final fight with Wenwu, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and even more so, I will just say Shang Chi has great fashion in this movie. I was looking at his jackets yeah, all throughout this movie, being like, "You look great, dude. You look so good. <laughs> you got a good jacket game." <laughs> He's he's rocking like a Goku jacket for a while. Yeah. Orange no, he's got like the layers mm-hmm. going. He's got the mm-hmm. fucking bomber jacket at first. I'm just like, dude, you look great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's clearly taking all that money um, driving cars uh, in, into his fashion. And I, I respect that. Totally. Just looks great. Mm-hmm. I honestly, that's a complete side note. <laughs> We're getting to time here. I just had to say it. <laughs> But uh, what are your what are your wrap up thoughts on uh, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings, Joe, and uh, uh, Shang Chi's uh, narrative arc as a whole in this movie? Uh, you know, I, I realize um, as we're wrapping up our, our thoughts, we did not talk about Shang Chi's sister at all. No, we have not. <laughs> we have not. Um, I'll say um, what I'll say is her action sequences are really fun. I love uh, the martial art that she's using. Um, I really like the, pr- the the fact that she has an intimidating presence. I think that's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And how she is set up to take over um, the Ten Rings totally makes sense because that's alluded to um, in the second act when she's like, oh, if dad won't let me in on the family business, I'll make my own. And now clearly mm-hmm. she's she, much like Shang-Chi, is combining those businesses. She is, mm-hmm. you know, she's, ta- she's blending these styles together. Um, I'm interested to see what the future of the Ten Rings holds, uh, and I think she'll make a really interesting antagonist. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There, There is something to be said in this movie about how it, you know, specifically uses antagonists as not just, like, people trying to destroy the world or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, explicitly taking the people connected to our hero and making them the antagonist in a meaningful way. In that same way, Shaolin is, like, a, I think a perfect shoe-in for that. That I yes. think just... I think she's going to make a great, uh, you know, future antagonist for that movie, for like the next movie, uh, because I do think that final shot of it just pulling away from her new uh, area is really cool. Yeah, her throne somewhere in the mountains. So yeah, I, so I am excited for the second movie. I really enjoyed this first movie. Um, Shang Chi deserves the champion belt. He's a hero. Yeah, um, he has my heart. Mm-hmm. Similu, you did a great job acting. You're a beautiful man. And absolutely. <laughs> and i am I, I i love the action in this in this movie even if it kind of falls like the action kind of slips a little bit towards the end i think so long as they take notes from those first two sequences and apply them in the next movie that'll be great um mm-hmm. i i do like the friendship dynamic um between uh shang chi and and katie mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to seeing them in the future overall yeah good time uh, is it the best MCU movie? In my opinion, no. Is it the worst movie? Absolutely not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Kung Fu. I'm just yeah. bored vomiting. Michael, what do you think? <laughs> no, tol- I absolutely agree. I, I, Like I said, I was watching this movie and I was really like floored about how much I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I really like this. Oh, okay, all right, you know, like, slowly it's starting to lose me a little bit, but ultimately, you know, the ending of a movie is not these, you know, the, 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 some, like, uh, moment of judgment, and so in the same way, I agree, like, that first opening part of this movie, I really do like, 
And I still see some of that in the later parts of the movie. It's not like, it's not like uh, what we talked about before, Far From Home, which it feels like it completely shifts what it's about. And so in the same way, I think Shang-Chi totally deserves the belt. And I think that he is going to make a wonderful addition to, you know, like the future stuff in the MCU, because I do really like his character. I like his relationship with Katie. I like their friendship dynamic going on, you know, throughout this whole movie. And I do, God, I just cannot say enough. Like, man, I was watching this movie and getting so hyped about the action in it in a way that I don't always get to with with MCU movies or MCU properties, should say. And so, like, I was just, I was just sitting there like so wowed because I was like, man, this is just so cool. This is, this is just like the coolest shit to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> lizard brain go oh, violence. <laughs> Ooh, yay! Violence, explosions, fighting, punching. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Muni bus. <laughs> the big, the big bus got got destroyed right next to the big truck, and it was next to the chocolate factory. And it made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it was it, so great. Yeah, and so honestly, I hope, and I hope more movies are made like that. I, like I said, I really can't trust enough how much I really enjoyed the first like twenty minutes of just learning about Shang Chi's life in San Francisco. I thought that was really fun and cool, and just a good way of immediately grounding our characters in a space and also giving them a sense of immediate warmth and heart. That I just, man, I just want so much more of that. I just want so much more of that in my superhero movies explicitly because I like. You know, in these stories that are about having a dual identity, having these two two conflicting ideals in your brain, that is so important. And I feel like that is uh, what makes this movie so good at times. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm o- I'm always going to be I'm always also going to be here for narratives where you have to beat the shit out of your dad. So absolutely. This movie gets let's give it like eight turtle shells out of ten. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna give this movie. Um, I'm also going to give it uh, eight uh, wheels of uh, spinning leaves out of. Out of <laughs> that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, and so what are we doing next week, Joe? Ooh, next week, uh, I finally get to reveal myself fully uh, on this podcast as the X Men stand that I am. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about New Mutants next week which was the um, uh, admittedly really bad X-Men movie that came out uh, <laughs> a year ago during the pandemic. This movie was never going to see the light of day. It was stuck in, in mm-hmm. Fox's um, vault for like five years or something crazy like that. And it finally came out and everyone was so upset because it sucked. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that because I still Naturally. have a lot of I have a lot of passion for the characters in that movie. So, yeah um we're going to be talking about the new mutants uh if you're a fan of danny moonstar um sunspot uh uh magic aka iliana rasputin or or um or cannonball if you're that one cannonball stand good for you we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about them um and a few other folks of course yeah looking forward to talking about it you'll get to we'll get to have uh joe x-men fan on main uh mm-hmm. But until next week, everyone, we will talk to you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters.
You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.